You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello and welcome to another edition of Global Trade This Week. I am one of your co-hosts, Doug Draper, and I am uh, out in the Intermountain region. Pete, I'm going to keep saying that. And my co-host is on the other side of uh, the United States, Mr. Pete Mento. Pete, how you doing, buddy? Guten Tag, uh, bonjour, and cheerio, all. I'm fine. Uh, very excited to be leaving for my vacation tomorrow. A uh, little family fun trip to the continent awesome. and the United Kingdom for some reverie. Can't wait, Doug. I will miss you, but not so much that I would ever. I mean, I'm not going to cry over it. Um, <laughs> okay. That was my first question. Are you going to cry? And the answer, the fact that you answered it so quickly, I appreciate that. So, no no. Well, here's, here's the big news as a teaser is that um, even though you're out of the country, global trade this week, keeping with its namesake of global, will still happen next week. And you will be yeah, in remote. I will, I will yes. Uh, I, my intention is to be on the show next week after a... Um, after a sizable number of liters of beer from Oktoberfest. So that is my intention. Um, I, you won't be able to smell the sauerkraut in my breath, but I hope that comes through while we're talking next week, Doug. Yes, that will be. I don't even know what to say or prep. I don't even know how to prep for that kind of show, Pete, but I'm looking forward to it. You should be excited. Um, many a beer will be drank. Many a bottle of wine will be drank while I'm in France. Many a Frenchman will be deeply insulted by mm. the way that I treat their waiters. And um, with any luck, I will remember all of my German curse words for next week. My um, nice. German is probably my best language outside of English. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes, buddy. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, that's next week. We have this week to worry about. So let's jump in with the topics. Uh, you go first, my friend. Yes, sir. So this week, I wanted to really focus on two topics. The first one that have been bugging me. The first one is the lack of brokers. So as I have been uh, trying to find something to do with myself that excites me, I've had a, a lot of, of small uh, freight forwarders asking if I would simply come to work for them to be their license holder. I mean, like they, they've said to me, if you don't have to keep your license someplace, for wherever you go next, would you be willing to be our qualifying licensed individual, manage oversight and control? And I've said, no, um, you know, I, I need to be there in the weeds night and day in order to put my license on the wall because I worked really hard for it to get it. And everyone I'm speaking to is saying the same thing. The number of new customs house brokers just is not living up to the number that are leaving the business. We've talked about this before, but it got me thinking, why? Why, Doug, why? You know, why, why don't we have more brokers? Why aren't more people coming into this truly fascinating business? And I think the, um, the answer is a couple fold. I think, first of all, the, uh, the exam is stupid. We need to just say it. I said something on LinkedIn about today. I want to double down on those comments. I'm not certain that a license, holding a license, holding a custom house license, really determines whether or not you know what the hell you're doing. Because I've taken the test, I passed the test first time, I'm brilliant like that. And uh, I've been a broker for, um, look at my license now, 25 years, I think. And um, it's it's not the kind of information, if you were to say, hey, Pete, I've got a friend of mine who wants to be a customs house broker, 
what should they learn right away? I'm not really sure that it's what I would have them focus on. I really, I honestly believe this, Doug. I think that customs should move towards an apprenticeship program where young people who decide they want to, young, someone who decides they want to do this as a living, goes to work for a broker, transacts entries, understands how customs works, sees the interaction between the trade and the enforcement community. And then when a license holder says they're ready and they're willing to sign off on it, they get a chance to go take that test. And I think that for people who plan to be operative customs house brokers, people who work all day transacting customs business, there should be one license and there should be another distinction that's given by customs for people who want to be compliance professionals or mm -hmm. importers. It makes a lot more sense to me. Uh, as everyone knows, I am a big jujitsu guy. I spend every waking moment thinking about it, talking about it, dreaming about it, and practicing it. And uh, in our world, if you are a student, they ask who your teachers are. If you're a black belt, they ask who gave you your black belt and whose black belt you got from whose black belt. I can tell you the brokers that taught me and the brokers that taught those brokers and the brokers that taught those brokers. There is a tribal way that it's happening now. It's just not prescribed. And I think, Doug, as people like me, and according to customs, there's only 12,000 of us left. Hmm. And we're only getting about 150, 170, so more every year. As we continue to die, retire, let our licenses lapse, or just leave the business, we need people to step up and want to do this. And a stupid test that doesn't really reflect what goes on in our business is not a great way to determine who should and should not be given advice. So that's where I'm at, Doug. It's time to get away from this testing regime and come up with a smarter way. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd agree on a couple points. Number one is it's a government regulated and certified thing. So you're never going to get away with a test, uh, in my opinion. But the thing that I liked and I was going to go to when I, when I uh, saw about this one is a customs house broker is transactional. I sit and look at my computer and I push buttons and I click on screens and I do that kind of stuff. In my opinion, that's going to go away, right? You got computers to do all that stuff now, data in, data out. It'll push a button. Everything will be take care of it. So the transactional concept of a customs house broker is waning, right? Look at that. Look at that. It's a fact. HAL 9000 is coming to get you. But the thing that I like, Pete, is the apprenticeship and the fact that you can be a compliance officer, which understands engagement, um, understanding how things work in the world so they can be classified correctly, and helping as a strategic advisor for a company that does importing, exporting, or some level of compliance. That's where the future is. But the thing is, nobody knows that exists, right? Which means the apprenticeship is good. There's so many schools out there that have supply chain and logistics degree programs. I'd be interested to know how many of those have any sort of focus on customs house brokerage and what that means and the career opportunities that you could take in that field. So I know you got the yada, yada, yada going on with your hand, but um, HAL 9000 is going to take over the transactional nature, but they can't take over um, you know, the, the consulting aspect of it, which I think could grow and be really engaging and challenging uh, to individuals getting into the field. Yeah, sure. So you've got a microwave at home, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, would you make a turkey in it? Possibly. Probably not, though, right? Like you have yes, all the I'm... existing technology in your house to cook very, very quickly, but you still spend 
your money going out to eat. And when it comes time to have a well-prepared meal, you go to a chef. You don't try to make it in your Cuisinart and in your microwave. You mm -hmm. go to someone who knows what you're doing. Doug, you're making my point, brother. You're making my point for me. Customs House Brokerage is one of the last places in this business of ours where actually knowing what the hell you're doing matters. And as e-commerce becomes the only thing that people are trying to distinguish themselves from, this will be the only part of logistics that isn't overrun by a bunch of people with keyboards and master's degrees in computer science. You better become a broker, kids. You better become a broker. Mm. Did you say better get him a computer, a HAL 9000? Go ahead. Yeah, you can you can code all you want, but anybody can learn to code. It takes a truly twisted, broken, emotionally distraught individual to become a custom software. Mm. Yeah, I guess we'll agree to disagree. Transactional nature is out the door. Mm. Consultants is not, absolutely in. We will not agree to disagree. We will agree that I am right and you are wrong. <laughs> That's what we will agree on, Doug. And all the same. Yes. All right. Give me a All chance right. to disagree with you, although I know what the topic is and I'm, I'm already on board with you. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, this is dabbling into into Pete uh, isms there, right? The European energy crisis and the freight markets. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, there's two words, consumption and production uh, that are key to that, uh, to this topic. So consumption, there's a lot of similarities to what's going on in Europe as in America with Inflation increases, interest rates going up, uh, obviously uh, energy and, and fuel and going through the roof. So obviously as those things rise and interest levels rise, uh, the consumption, duh, is going to go down, right? Import prices are going to decline at some point, um, you know, routing changes. So the consumption of individuals is going to slow, which means ocean freight and imports of tangible things. And we've spoken about the goods aspect versus the services aspect. As people aren't buying durable goods anymore, um, there's gonna be less product flowing into the country. That means there's gonna be less ocean freight, less inland, things of that nature. So over time, the steamship lines are like, hey, these have to make revenue. These meaning ocean containers, trucks, and things of that nature, they're gonna divert them away um, into revenue generating uh, lanes. And so that capacity is gonna start going away. Um, there's also a driver shortage going on. One thing that is abundantly clear, which I did not think of, Pete, is that there is a lot of men uh, that are now fighting in Ukraine, and there's a significant amount of, of individuals and migrants that have come in to start their own business, just like America. And we've talked about the, uh, the last of the cowboys out there, same concept in Europe, but all those folks are, uh, are going to war for their country. So there's a driver shortage and, and chaos. So driver shortage, inflation, reduced consumption. Um, and then when you have all that, the production goes down. So there's not a lot of new orders. There's falling sales. Um, the euro and dollar, the euro and the dollar are kind of equal-ish. Um, but the thing is, is even if they're equal, it takes more money to make the same thing. So if it took $100 to make this widget, um, it now costs $130. So even though the currency values are very common and on par, it doesn't mean things are dramatically different. Um, looks good on paper and it makes a good headline, but, uh, but I don't know. So I think the energy crisis is just one thing that's going on out there um, in Europe that uh, Americans should really pay attention to because 
unlike so many different things, when uh, America's isolationist and people are like, it doesn't affect me, I can still get my hamburger and fill up my gas tank, so why should I care? I think in this day and age, with what's going on over in Europe, we should care because it's going to have a bigger impact than we may think. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I think I brought this up last or the one before. I'm very concerned about how the, um, the the drawing down of the European market is going to end up negatively affecting the world economy. And as the energy prices there continue to push down, they're going to be competitive. So European companies are paying more to make everything because of energy prices, mm -hmm. which makes them less and less competitive, which means they're going to have to lay people off, which puts a greater strain on their economies. I mean, it's, it's just a... You know, it's a tumbling, it's a tumbling, ugly, ugly um, type of model. This just gets worse, Doug. It just gets worse and it just gets worse. We're going to start selling them energy now that our ports are all open, ready to start selling natural gas again, which is going to increase our costs of energy. And it could also have a negative effect on us. Unfortunately, the only places that seem to be making any money on this are the Russians, India, China. So, uh, and anybody selling coal these days. So I'm not sure really what this is helping, uh, to be quite frank, but it will continue to draw down all markets. And we talk a lot about transportation markets here, but I don't know anything that's used in production that isn't moved there. Mm -hmm. It's a farm-to-table situation. So um, you're, you're right, Doug. The, the macroeconomic impact of what's happening in Europe and its effect on energy prices is going to spill over into practically everything for the next two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that brings us to our halftime. Uh, this is where the fun banter comes in, and it's brought to you by Cap Logistics. Not only is halftime brought to you by Cap, but this show, for goodness sakes, Pete's brought by Cap Logistics. You and I wouldn't be sitting here without those guys, so please take a look at their service offerings at caplogistics.com. All right, I, you, you, are, you go first, me? I'll go first, yeah. All right, so fire away. Uh, very, very quick on this one. Um, I will be leaving for the United Kingdom tomorrow night, uh, then I'll be uh, the continent of Europe. But the UK has a special place in my heart. I have a lot of very, very close friends that live there. They were kind enough to allow me to um, pursue my doctorate at the University of Durham there. God bless you. Um, I even paid for most of it. So thank you. Uh, but the, the whole point of my rant here is that I've always loved visiting there. I've always loved going over there because as someone who lives in New England, I how close the two places are is not lost on me. But there's something about tradition, Doug. There's something about tradition. And uh, Her Majesty died last week, and I am certainly no apologist to the idea of a monarchy. But it is interesting to see that since she has passed away, there are certain things that are happening. The Queen is dead, God save the King, and King Charles III is already living up to his duties. While he is in mourning for the loss of his mother, he is trying to get his world in order and keep the British people on track. If you watch the news, people who just days ago were upset about every little thing are upset about the passing of a monarch. You know, they might not like a monarch. They are upset over her going away because for many of them, their entire lives, she was the only thing that was constant outside of their own family and the traditions of the monarchy as well. So why do they still have a monarchy? For those reasons, it represents everything about who they are as a nation and it helps them to maintain some sort of a hand to the past. And as I look at our own country, I would never ever want one, um, but the idea that we should try to get back to some of our traditions, no matter what they are, personal ones, family ones, regional ones, local ones, ones in our city, 
I would come home every Thanksgiving to watch my old high school play the other old high school until I got too old. But for a good 15 years, it was an important part of my traditions. In my house, we like to have a German Christmas Eve and an English Christmas Day. And that's just the way it's always going to be. You know, I do the same things that my parents did on certain holidays, and I hope that my kids do the same things as well. So, Doug, I think as the Queen passed away at a time that we really need to remember our traditions and who we are as a culture, we have the opportunity to see why that is still so important as it's keeping a country that has its own problems happening right now. A queen who blessed the new prime minister days before her death is helping to remind them why it's so important to embrace the cultures that they have as a country. Wow. Thanks, Pete. I appreciate that. The one thing that I learned is that uh, on the monarchy, whenever you throw um, on the currency, when you put your face and your bust mm -hmm. on the currency, the direction in which they look alternates based on who the monarch is. So they were that. saying that, yeah, Queen Elizabeth faces right. Now, I don't know if that's stage right or uh, or what right <laughs> it is. I, I, the coin. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't have any. You uh, Check it out and advise. But that means yeah. whatever side she was looking, that uh, King Charles III will be looking the other direction. It alternates back and forth. So oh, That's cool. Yeah. 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 Well, I was going to get cute and smart with my halftime, but I think uh, based on yours, Pete, I think I should um, take it over to Come this on, side. Man. What? You can be, be as cute and smart as you want to be. I mean, that's what halftime's for. No, no, no. Well, I was thinking I can save this one till next week, right? I won't even get into it because it, it is pretty funny. Um, right. But I think it's important because this one is time stamped with this week, and it's the National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. It's an entire week. Oh, yeah. And... Um, <clears throat> this week's a way to, you know, show appreciation. 3.5, 3.6 million professional truck drivers out there, men, women, um, they're out there every day delivering our goods on time, securely and safely, and um, and they're out there zipping around. So I know that there's a lot of companies that have fleets that are embracing and and thanking those uh, those drivers out there. But I would say if you're an average Joe that really has no interaction directly with uh, a truck driver. Here's one thing that you could do when they're trying to move over in a lane or merge or need to make their job easier to move from point A to point B. Don't be a jerk. Give them the space, allow them to do their job and merge in. You'll feel good about it. Even if it's for one week, it's National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. So the one thing you can do and the one thing I'll challenge our audience is be kind to a trucker if they need to navigate to be safe get into a different lane, um, turn, have a wide berth on a turn. Don't be a jerk. Give them the space. Allow them to do their job. And I just want to personally thank all the truck drivers because I know a few by by name and, and things of that nature a lot by name in our industry here. But uh, anyway, mm -hmm. thank you very much, National Truck Driving Appreciation Week. Um, I want to make sure that that was uh, called out, Pete. Yeah, and well said and, and uh, well pointed out, Doug. We don't take enough time to thank all the people in our logistics industry, but the ones that have a never-ending daunting task and really do take a lot of criticism and are not thanked enough are the people who drive those trucks. And you make an excellent point of trying to treat them with respect on the road like they try to treat us with respect on the road. They understand what a large and dangerous piece of equipment they're driving. I don't think that people in cars understand it as well. So mm -hmm. by taking a moment to really respect the fact that they're, they're, um, they're driving goods around the country, and they're doing so uh, in a piece of machinery that is quite dangerous, um, and they take it very seriously. Give them a little extra berth. Try to do what you can to make their jobs a little bit easier. 
and you never know what's on that truck. It could be literally something that can save somebody's life that you care about. Yeah. So great. Point. Uh, yeah. Great thank point. you to all the truckers out there. Good deal. All right. So we're on our uh, we're on the back half here, Pete. You can no. uh, roll with your next topic. Yeah. So my next topic is that winter is coming. I do uh, I do so enjoy the Game of Thrones stuff because I am a dork, Doug. I am um, I'm going to own that. I'm not going to sit here and uh, not going to sit here and try to pretend otherwise. I'm a nerd, and winter is coming is an excellent excellent phrase for so many different things. But for our industry, oofa. You know, just when you think it's over, it's not over. Because what we're about to see coming in 2023 is the market dropping and stabilizing at rates that are still awful, but much, much better than what we've seen in the past couple of years because of all the economic things we've already talked about. And with that, you're going to have a lot of companies who bought into relatively high rates going into forward-looking periods. A lot of NVOs, a lot of VCOs that went out and got those rates ahead of time. And you're gonna have a lot, however, that didn't. You're gonna have a lot of people that are suffering with these ocean carriers. who are gonna to have to decide, are we gonna let them off the hook for these terrible rates as the market is lowering because it's gonna be better for our relationship going forward for the next 10, 15, 20 years, right? But you're also gonna have a lot of NDOs that are gonna to have to say, is it really my best interest to go just guns blazing after these carriers now because man did they piss me off the last couple of years and you, you mean we've all been there right we're all like oh now it's it's your turn to cry right like it's just as time you know there's a lot of people who've been waiting the last couple of years to say oh it's time to renegotiate our rates remember when you told me i had to pay twenty two thousand dollars for a 40. yeah let's talk about that um and i'm really hoping people have learned I'm hoping that they've learned that you have to have a degree of respect between yourself and the carriers and the carriers and the shipping community. We need them to make money. We need them to make money so that they can have great vessels that live up to our, our energy needs and our environmental needs, but also that they can have sailings and build that infrastructure that we need. And the carriers, I hope that they've learned that they can't treat us like an ATM machine, that when things are to their advantage, they can't use some of the tactics that they used to just make all the cash they could for that boom and bust cycle. You know, we say it again and again, when nothing changes, nothing changes. We need to look at this as an opportunity to build long-term relationships that are based on actually working with them. Second thing I wanted to bring out, which goes on that sort of collaborative approach, we're about to be a wash in empties, my friend, particularly in the US, as American companies stop using containers as extra warehouse space, when they get through the holidays, they're going to be able to bring all of that extra material into their warehouses. And it's just going to mean a crap ton of empties that can't get back because of blank sailings. And you're going to see in the first quarter of 2023, probably into the second quarter of 2023, piles and piles and piles of empties of ports. And it's going to cause some real arguments between carriers, importers, and ports on who's responsible for clearing them out, who's responsible for paying that extra time, and who's responsible for all the other mess-ups that happen in the supply chain because of it? And I'm here for the drama. I love the hostilities, Doug. You know me. So I'll be watching it um, with big old skeptical hippo eyes from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. I love the container part of it. <clears throat> First of all, Pete, I want to say something to your comment about um, the rates are still going to be high, but they're going to settle down. If you remember one of our... Um, 
prediction shows, we talked about, hey, things aren't going to get any, any better until we start entering 2023. And I think we're starting to see some of that. So um, shout out to our, um, our prediction show. But I love the concept. I'd not thought of this about all of the boxes just sitting around, right? And if you have a business that engages with that, I have a friend that uh, refurbishes 20-foot containers into like mobile bars, and he's done, you know, repurposing ocean containers into houses and things of that nature. Now that's not where everything's going to be absorbed into, but I think you bring up an awesome point. I think we should take a look at that in first quarter because there's going to be people like screw it, I'm just going to abandon the piece of metal. And it just does what it does and, and walk away. I'm not saying all of it, but it's going to be some pretty unique um, ways to handle that situation. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited because I'm a nerd when it comes to supply chain. I'm excited to see how that thing transpires. But not Game of Thrones? <laughs> no. You're not watching House of the Dragon? Doug, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'll no. leave it be. No. Take us home, yeah. buddy. All right, my man. So um, this is, uh, let me pull this sucker up here. So this is fun. And I'm just going to simply say the peak season surcharge uh, were announced. I'm specifically talking about parcel. And um, then the second question is like, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it with all these uh, additional charges coming up? So yeah. there's two things I wanted to say, because there is something we can do about it. So big picture, it's a lot of the same formulas, which is rolling averages of weekly volumes and things of that nature. And then the fees of are, are the same, but everything's been escalated. So last year, a surcharge fee was a $1.15 to like $5 and some odd change. This year, it starts at $2.15, $2.15 and rolls up to like $6.5 or something. Um, and that's really uh, whenever you hit shipping thresholds, I think it's, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. But anyway, my point is, is that the amount is just more expensive as far as the surcharges. And the other thing is that um, you have to hit a higher volume. So last year, if you exceeded like 25,000 shipments a week, and that in and of itself defines that it's really the large shippers that are gonna be taking the brunt of this. This year it's 22,000 uh, max. Uh, I'm speaking specifically to UPS. I'm sure FedEx has something very similar. But not only are the rates going up, the threshold in which those will be kicked off and start implementing is lower. Um, and so really, there's two things. Pass it on to the consumer. People are going to pay it, right? Just pass it on. If your company that thinks you can absorb twenty dollars to $30,000 a week in your freight, uh, you're crazy. And the consumer will pay it. I would pay an extra dollar to get it in the big picture. So maybe I'm naive, whatever, but I would push a lot of that off. The second thing, and this is probably more important, is that with the data analytics you have right now, you're going to see a lot of other uh, parcel delivery services that are out there that you may not even know about, right? So there's this whole network of super regional parcel carriers and courier networks that don't have these peak season charges that you can tap into. Um, you know, Amazon kind of has their uh, dabbling in the delivery of non-Amazon uh, uh, parcels. And then um, you got the post office, which is out there. So there's other avenues in the data and the tools that are available to you to make a decision as a logistics professional on what stuff goes on what carrier to minimize your, your, your hit. Um, I think you're gonna see a lot of other service offerings out there. And Pete, I'm bringing this one up again and I'm uh, waiting to see your face here, but a lot of this is gonna be driving with some BOPIS, baby.
just come on into my store, order your stuff completely free, pick this thing up and grab some eggs and milk on the way out the door and, and life is good. So I think you're going to see some BOPAs, but I think you're also going to see some sm smart logisticians being able to use all carrier networks available and data will help them make that decision. Doug, here's, here's what I think. I think it's, this is the, finally the opportunity for drones has arisen. <laughs> 20, 2022 Christmas, rise of the drones. This is the time when we're finally going to see it. Uh, all kidding aside, you know, you, you, you've really tapped into an incredible point, and that's that the parcel carriers have us where we want them. You know, you're... You've had a consistent message when it comes to the U.S. Postal Service. Nope. Right? So when that's the case, you, you've got really two main companies you can go to with that group of smaller carriers. But even those smaller carriers end up having so much subcontracting them by these larger ones. One way or the other, you're giving them your money. And it's um, I was in a situation where one of my clients had a compliance concern with one of the two large uh, parcel deliverers. Like, I will never give them my business again because they won't give me an answer about these about these you know they, they were just asking for a report i will never and i just said yeah yeah you will you will i mean it, it's just a i mean I, I understand you're angry but you pay me by the hour to be honest with you and give you good advice yeah you will it's not like it's a trucking company and there's a couple hundred to pick from two there's like two and then if you want to throw dhl in there there's three Three and a half, right? Three and a half. Okay, so depending on where you are, there's some more too. You got percolator, but two, okay. And if you want to spend more money on something, you're trying to do everything you can to make cheap. Be an idiot, but there's two, right? So the angrier you get, it's they, they just they're going to drink your tears and maniacally laugh like some demonic. I mean, they're, they've done an excellent job insulating themselves from what their service does. And if they decide that they're going to put a peak season church charge in, they should just call it what it is. Welcome to your rate increase. Inflation is tough, and so are energy prices. Mm -hmm. We've got to raise rates in order for us to maintain the expectations of our shareholders. Merry Christmas. Get yeah. out your checkbook. And that's what this really is, man. And, mm -hmm. you know, hate the game. Don't hate the player. they got to do what they've got to do to keep their shareholders happy. And I know nobody wants to hear that, but that's just what it is and as a consumer of those companies from a professional sense i'm just being realistic you know so it is what it is man yeah agreed i thought when you were counting off right there's three and then you, you drop yeah yeah you thought something was going to happen there i no. thought i was like hey we need a black mark no, in there i'm glad that didn't happen no 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 that p ended five six years ago you know there's too many people that watch this damn show we can't we can't act that way yeah yeah. Yeah. So. Plus, we don't want to teach um, Keenan any curse words or bad things he might use in his fifth grade classroom and get him knocked yeah. out of school again. Agreed. Well, I, yeah. With that, that's going to do it for us this week on another uh, exciting episode of Global Trade This Week brought to you by Cap Logistics. We thank you always for watching and listening. Those numbers just keep ticking up. Um, it's terrifying to think so many of you actually watch us talk about these things. Uh, thank you again to Keenan back in the booth who, um, between having his muddy buddies checks mix and, uh, you know, catching up on his, um, was it Roblox? Is that what they're called? Game on yeah. his iPad. 
he manages to make sure this show just keeps on running and we do love him for that in the books of cap logistics thank you doug for always bringing it uh bringing the heat here on global trade this week and we'll see you all next week take care absolutely look forward to it pete thank you see you bye-bye